Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Michael Bolton's mullet. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. Today, we're going back to finish off a series we didn't quite finish off at the back end of last year called Still Alive and Kicking. And for those who have been with us for the ride and have been listening to the series, you'll know it's all centred around firstly the 30th anniversary of the Premier League from 1992-93, but more centrally the advert that launched the Premier League in that summer from Sky Sports when they took over the Premier League. And that famous advert with Simple Minds, Alive and Kicking as the theme, and it had each player from each of the teams who in the first season of the Premier League in an advert where they're working out in a gym and doing all that bits and bobs. And it all culminated in that famous picture of them in a squad photo, each wearing the kit from that season. And let's be honest, 92-93, probably the best season for kits of all time. I think so. And we were go- tracking down each member of that photo and having a chat with them about the advert, about that season, about their legacy and what they remember of that season and the Premier League in general. So we hadn't quite finished it off. There were still a few more episodes. We got kind of sidetracked with our general podcast episodes with myself and Ed Chambers, but I thought I'd just finish the series off with a couple more to put the final touches to a still alive and kicking. We didn't get everyone, as I said in the first episode in this, but we've got some great stuff already. If you haven't listened to them, go back, have a listen to the first. I think we've done 10 or 11. I have to double check before I number this episode, but there's enough in there to get your teeth into. Today, it's one that's quite close to my heart. Yes, it's the QPR episode. I have been holding this one back because I think we cover QPR Probably unintentionally quite a lot on Live and Kicking, me being a Rangers fan. But we wanted to obviously include them in the series because of their representative from that photo. Of course, was Andy Sinton as well. Andy Sinton holds a very special place in my heart because my first ever QPR game, December 28th, 1992, Andy Sinton's got a hat-trick in a 4-2 win over Everton. So it's... a uh, it's a very special moment. And actually, he his favourite game as well, which he spoke to me about in a different interview, which was kind of fun. Uh, but here he talks about the advert, filming it for Sky Sports and how his involvement came about. We talk about his time at Rangers, that season, obviously, uh, they were top London club. I may have mentioned that on a few previous episodes or 100. And we talk about that team and how underrated it was. And of course, Andy went on to play for England. It was part of the Euro 92 squad before moving on to Sheffield Wednesday and eventually joining Jerry Francis at Tottenham towards the end of the decade as well. So it's still alive and kicking. We're still going with it. I've got, there's two more interviews to do, but they're quite short. They're shorter just because of the uh, timings available. They're a bit short. So I might put those in one final crescendo episode in a couple of weeks to finally end this 1992-93 look back and still alive and kicking and celebrating 30 years of the Premier League. So look out for that. And of course, myself and Ed will be back next week resuming uh, some more 90s nonsense as we normally do. Uh, We've got a couple of my 90s subjects coming up. So we'll talk about that. And we've got a couple of authors coming on talking about their new 90s centric books, lots more and a few uh, famous names and more famous guests as well in the pipeline. So do stay tuned as ever to your podcast feed for the original 1990s football podcast but until then sit back and listen to the latest episode in still alive and kicking this mini series that we have been doing where myself chats to andy stinton now before we just get into it 
slightly just want to say that this was recorded over the phone so not on a zoom call or however other means we've been doing teams or whatever so the quality isn't quite as crisp as it normally should be but you can still hear it perfectly i just wanted to flag that up before you worry about the quality in your podcast feed but no it's not it's because it was over an old school kids you know phone call phone to phone recording but this is me speaking to qpr representative from still alive and kicking and that 1992 advert andy sinton sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football if the 90s are now retro then it's time for a celebration welcome to alive and kicking the 90s football podcast Uh, well, let's take you back to 1992 then. Um, I want yep. to kind of plop you right back into that summer. So by 1992, you've obviously established yourself at QPR as one of the, you know, the big players, one of the first teamers. Uh, yep. you've, been, you've gained international honours uh, against Poland, obviously, you made your debut, which is funny enough, as we yep. got England played last night. What, yep. Where do you remember about your career at that point? Like playing, what was it like playing for England and how did you feel at that point in yourself as a player at QPR and, and uh, where was Andy Sinton in 1992? That's a great question actually, you know, joined, uh, I'm just going back a couple of years, joined from Brentford in 89, uh, Trevor Francis signed me on deadline day, when it used to be the old-fashioned deadline day, you know, mm. that long, <clears throat> when the likes of Peter Reid had just joined Nigel Spatman, and Colin Clark and we were in a relegation battle but we, that 10 games that I came in, you know, fortunately after a great start, scoring on your home debut, scoring three in those 10 games, that sort of set me up to 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 push on. Um, you know, but the next season, Trevor left, Don came in and um, did quite well. You know, we were just sort of floating around bottom half, mid-table, actually. And it wasn't until, I don't want to, take any credit away from anyone but it wasn't until and this is my opinion it wasn't until Jerry Francis walked through the door yeah. in 91 that um, things really started to take off I would credit Don Howarth you know he laid the foundations for that but Jerry was <coughs> Jerry was you know brilliant and you know, club legend and myself you know England captain um, you know really had a keen eye for individual players, opposition, the way he wanted these teams to play. Uh, wanted us really, really fit. So, you know, those famous territories, these were, um, yeah. were a big part of the training regime and that went right through the season. If we didn't have a midweek game, it didn't matter. You know, with Tuesday was the run and, uh, and you know what? If you ask me, did you hate that? You'd probably say you didn't like it, but. Actually, I think most of us did because we knew the benefit it was giving us. Yeah. Um, you know, we were probably the fittest team in the league, uh, individually, collectively. It also helped you, you know, when you, when you run and then you're really up against it and, you know, you're feeling the pain and you, you know, you drag each other through. And I think that transported itself into the dressing room where we, we got points where we probably, other teams might have buckled a little bit, you know, it was an unbelievable camaraderie. So, you know, there's a couple of years when Jerry came in. It was a, <clears throat> it was a pleasure, an absolute pleasure and a privilege to play in that team at QPR. You know, the team. You know, I miss people out here, but you know, the likes of the great, and I say the great, absolute phenomenal man, Ray Wilkins, a great player. What a, what a, what a man. You know, I think if you speak to probably every player who played with him, um, 
at that time, they would say what an influence he had on his career. I speak from personal experience, biggest influence on my career, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, I learned so much from him, um, just in his day-to-day, his demeanour, his uh, way he conducted himself, the way he spoke to people, uh, he made people, he went out of his way to make people feel good, feel happy, feel special. And, you know, I just used to look at him and just be like, wow, what a, what a man. And I hope bits of that have rubbed off on, on, on me today, but, you know, what a, yeah, what a player. So he was there, you know, another club legend, the great Alan McDonald. What a, what a, what a centre back he was, you know, 17 yeah, years of QPR service. Um, you know, if he, if, if he got a car, he would be bleeding blue and white, you know, um, Brilliant club man. People looked at him as a tough centre back. Yes, he was, but the, you know, Macca could play, and a great guy. You know, funny as anything. Yeah. Um, part of the dressing room, him and Dave Bars were a real double act. So that was then Les. You know, that team Les was the the icing on the cake, if you like. He was the sprinkle and the stardust. Again, this is in my opinion. He turned us from a um, a really good team to a very good team because there'll be times where he'd get us something from nothing. I think for three years he was probably on a par with the best centre forwards in England. You know, the Shearers, the uh, the Wrighties, the Teddies, and this, you know, Les was, um, you know, Willow, Clyde Wilson, and Dave Barnsley, in my opinion, as a pair of the best fullbacks in the league. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I'm, I'm missing people out like. You know, and the, the unsung heroes like Simon Barker, uh, Ian Holloway, yeah. um, you know, the likes of myself and Les, uh, who went on to represent our country. Dave Barsley got the one cup, but we sort of took the plaudits, if you like, but behind that, that was, you know, what a great squad, great. So when you ask where I was, you know, blessed, privileged to play in that team, loved the happiest time of my career, getting England recognition was, wow, you know, I dreamt about that as a kid growing up in Newcastle, you know, playing in the streets, pulling on the white shirt uh, that I used to get for Christmas, commentating about myself playing, you know, as you do as a nine, ten-year-old, and, you know, my dream come true. Um, and I still remember vividly the the, the call-up as if it was yesterday. Yeah. You know, that's how that's how ingrained it was. We had played Aston Cooper, I played Aston Villa on the Saturday, and I had a... Paul McGrath, what a, what a great player he was, by the way. Paul McGrath had, uh, let's say, uh, stood on the back accidentally. <laughs> and I had a real sort of stiff lower back. So I went in on the Monday and the physio said, don't train, you're not training today. I said, oh, it's not too bad. He said, no, give it a couple of days. Um, so I was in the treatment room and Jerry Francis came in and um, I said, there was two or three of us in the treatment room. He came out and he said, how's your back? I went, it's just a bit sore. Brian, physio, said, not a trainer. They said, yeah, that's fine. So what have you got planned for the weekend? <laughs> I said, mind, there was a blank weekend. I said, uh, I said you know, Jerry, I thought, depending if my back's okay. And, and joking, I said, if you give us the weekend off, um, I said, I might go and see my family up in Newcastle. I haven't seen them for ages. He went, okay, that's good. He said, well... Uh, if your back's okay, I don't think you'll be going to Newcastle. I said, why is that? He said, because uh, you're going to go to Poland. Hmm. I went, what? And it didn't register. Yeah. Go to Poland, what do you... And he said, you're in the England squad. Uh, I went, pun? What? So he was, uh, just didn't. He, he said, you've been... He said, congratulations. He said, you've been that. He said, your performances have been brilliant. He said, you're in the England squad for the Poland um, European qualifying. Yeah, you know, my back suddenly started to feel a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I bet. 
but you know, so you asked where I was, it was a real journey. And bearing in mind, you know, it's you know, um two and a half years earlier I was playing in the third division. Yeah. You know, with Brentford who, you know, Brentford were brilliant for me, I had a great time there, but you know, when I look back and it's quite a remarkable story to be playing division three to represent your country in the space of uh, but that was my junior QPR, I just was like on an upward curve and Brilliant club, great relationship with the fans, um, and as I said, wonderful team to be playing in. So that's that's where I was in '92. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was it like quickly before we talk about the advert? I mean, what was it like playing at Euro '92? Because it's a funny tournament. I don't think it gets yep. talked about a lot, and not just because you know English performance, but just because I think it's just it just gets missed, which I think is unusual because I think it's a really eventful tournament. But what was it like to, to play in a major tournament and be part <coughs> of that England squad? That was, it was wonderful. First of all, if I could, if you didn't, if I don't mind just spending a minute on how I got there, you know, I was sort of Mr. Versatile in the squad I could play. Yeah. Graham Taylor had played me in about six or five or six positions, you know, as a number 10, as a left wing back, I played centre midfield. Uh, so, Graham always wanted to cover for various positions, so all the press were going, oh, you were nailed on to go to because you can cover this that, and the other, you know, you you, you can't have two players for every position, so he, he's going to need someone. So we played Brazil on the on the I think it was on a Sunday at Wembley last game. Um, my wife was heavily pregnant, so I'm at Brazil playing Brazil. Uh, squad's going to get announced the next day, so the idea was to play Brazil, go back to the hotel. Squad was going to be announced on the Monday. Happy days. Yeah. So we played Brazil. Uh, boiling hot day. It was the famous game where Gary yeah, uh, Lynch missed, yeah. missed, missed, missed his penalty to uh, whatever. But we drew one one. Um, uh, I came off, uh, saw my wife. She said, "Said Andy, something, something's happening here." And bearing in mind, bit naive, first child. You're thinking three weeks early, Linda. You know, just uh, I said, "You'd be fine." I said, "We've got to go back to the hotel, as you know tonight." I said. Give us a call if anything, but I just left it. I didn't even didn't even think of anything. So, uh, so I wake up in the morning at eight o'clock. Squad's due to assemble about twelve o'clock, but the phone rings at eight o'clock. Uh, it's my wife. She said, "You better get home." I said, "What?" I said, uh, "You best get home. I think something's happening with. You. I think I'm in labour. I think the waters are broken. Blah blah blah." Oh. So in, a, in a bit of a fluster, so I've got yeah. to go and knock on Graham Taylor's door at eight o'clock in the morning. So I knock on the door. <laughs> Graham answers the door and he's dressing gown. I said, boss, uh, so my wife's in labour, she just give me a call, I've got to go home. He said, come in. Uh, he said, yeah, by all means, come in uh, regarding the squad. And I just looked at his face and I thought, mm. he said, um, he said, I'm going to announce the squad today. He said, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of John, John Barnes. He said, he's coming back from his injury. He said, I want to give John another week to prove his fitness um, and if he proves his fitness he said I'll be honest with you John will go to Euro uh, John will go to the, the, yeah. the tournament and, and he won't and he, he, he spoke for about five minutes but once he had said that I just wanted to get out Yeah, I just wanted to get home to my wife he had said you're pretty much not going to be in the squad you're going to be on standby keep yourself fit blah 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 I wasn't really listening as soon as he said I'm going to give John another week um I just wanted to get home, so I went home, you know, cried in the taxi. Don't mind telling anyone that, you know, just been told I wasn't going to the Euros, uh, in tears in the back of the car. In those days, there was no mobile phone, so yeah, just had my own sort of space. Uh, got back home, my wife's pacing up and down the drive, uh, she said, get me to the hospital. So we get to the hospital, three hours later, I'd become a father. 
So I've gone from tears of... What an emotional day. To tears of absolutely worlds caved in professionally yeah. cause, uh, to joys of, you know, on a personal level. Um, so that was that sort of mixture, as you say. What an emotional day. But three days later, England playing Finland, as you probably know. John, unfortunately, ruptures his Achilles. Um, I've been asked to go and watch the game on BBC to give some analysis and I see John go down and it doesn't quite register. I'm saying, you know what, he'd probably be okay. Graham comes on the telly afterwards going to tell her, he goes, Andy, if you're watching, get your boots ready and get your passport ready. <laughs> I go, wow. So, so again, you know, emotions are all over the place, yeah. you know, from, and this is in the space of four days. So anyway, through a little bit of misfortune, you know, John was, a, John was an unbelievable yeah. John Barnes at Liverpool, unbelievable. But, you know, his misfortune was my fortune. So that's how I got there. To play in the tournament, sat the first game out, you know, Denmark nil-nil-nil. Everyone thought it was a disaster. Little did they know three weeks later who would lift the trophy. Yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, then we played France, good side, nil-nil. Um, I played in that game, I played right wing back. Then we probably had to beat the host Sweden to guarantee going through. Um, again, I played in that game, we go one nil. I play scores. But we get pegged back. I think Thomas Brolin then scores the winner, and we're we're getting an early flight home, which was a huge, huge disappointment for for the players, but for the nation, you know, as the fans. So, uh, but in answering your question, what was it like to be part of an England team in a major tournament? Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the buzz, the expectation. Yeah, it ended in disappointment, but uh, to be part of it was was great. I just wish that had been a bit more successful. Yeah. Let's talk about the advert then. I mean, yep. so it's 1992. How, <coughs> how do you get selected? Because as we remember, there were a, a member of each 22 of the first original yep. Premier League clubs there. Was yep. it just a case of you got a phone call or was there some other way that you yeah, were sort of yeah, selected for it? Yeah, I got, I got a phone call from um, um, someone who was involved with TV and obviously did work for Sky on the promotional level. He just said, look, uh, as you know, Premier League's kicking off next year. Sky are going to do this promotional um, uh, video, if you like. Uh, would you be interested in doing it? I said, yeah, of course. Um, but obviously, check with the club. You know, make sure that the club are okay with it. He said, yeah, we'll do all that. But just to, if QBR okay, which they will. Um, we just want you to be the representative of QBR. So, um, so yeah, I was delighted. Um, I don't remember too much about the day in terms of where it was. I was racking my brains when I got your email. And I yeah. thinking, where did we do that? But I remember the day because you, you, you turn up at the location that you're asked to turn up and, you know, you're turning up and you know the format as one player from each club. Uh, you look at the names on the list and you go, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I know, I know him, I know him, Peter Beardsley, England Scott, blah, blah, blah. Uh, some people you, <clears throat> you don't know, but you played against. But football's got this great thing, but are your best friends with someone? I know them, you know, once you're together. It was, it was a brilliant day. It was funny. You can imagine the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the quips, the Mickey take that was going on, the comments. Um, but we, st- I think we sensed on that day something, something was bubbling. You know, we'd never yeah. done an advert for a football season, uh, before. And this was, you know, they wanted this done properly. There was a team shoot, as you know, with the 22 players yeah. in a like, team group. I was also, you know, bits in there. I think I was on a treadmill in the gym. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it was going very fast. <laughs> uh, other guys, you know, I think Peter was doing set-ups. Some guys were lifting weights. Some guys were filming the shower. 
I think it's an add-on away from that. I think Reedy, Peter Reed did a, uh, a, a mock-up sort yeah. of team talk. Yeah. Um, I think Anders had done something at his home. Um, so, you know, but we were just part of that day. You know, you know, well, the, the whole day was a full day of sort of filming, and you know, uh, but with the, when you weren't asked to be doing something official, you'd be chatting to the boys and you know. Talking about games and families, and that was that was just a, it was just brilliant. So that's 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 how it came came about, you know. And uh, I looked at the photo. Of, someone sent me the photo of a while ago, and you know, you're looking at the faces. You know, yeah, Tim Sherwood, yeah, yeah, Gordon Jury, yeah, yeah, yeah John Salako, Peter um, Big Gordon Strachan, and you know, Vinny Jones at the back. You know, David Hurst, who I went on to play with. Great, great players in their own right, and that was, was just a, just a great day and greatly part of. You don't know then what I know now. I wouldn't have, I would have said no. Wouldn't have said it was going to be the, the launch of something as big as you know. But uh, great to be a part of it. it was yeah, delighted to be us. And how did it go down at, at the? Because I imagine you come back to the club, and once the advert gets released, I, I imagine there was a few <laughs> banter in the dressing room, and yeah, yeah, you the star for a while. <laughs> a few uh, strange comments probably from Macker and uh, and Dave Barsley in particular, you know. But uh, fortunately, I think that would have been worse if I was probably one of the guys in the shower. But uh, <laughs> I think that was I think that was a wall, and just saw the faces. I probably wasn't tall enough for them, so that's why I got uh, I got bunged on a treadmill. Um, you know, sat in the front row. Um, but yeah, just just fun. Good times, and it was the start of something. Then I think deep, deep down, no one knew what it was going to be the start of. That's that's what I was trying to get to the crux of, really, as well. Like for you, for somebody who obviously started playing in the old first division, when yeah. did you know? What did you notice, and how did you notice the change? Because I always say the nineties are like the decade that changed football forever. Yeah. What, yeah. How for you did it change that that sort of bit from the? Well, you know, uh, that's the How did I know it changed? The very, very. Uh, stuff it, it it changed for me you know um, the fixtures came out and after a bit of whatever we were selected to play our first game of the season QPR was selected to play on a Monday on a Monday night at Man City and Monday night playing football on a Monday night so the season kicked off on Saturday I think there was a game on the Sunday well I know there was a game because I think Forest beat Liverpool Teddy yeah. scored um um, we would we would uh, on the Monday night, and Jerry Jerry Francis was fuming uh, that we had been selected to play on a Monday night because it meant we were playing Man City away on a Monday night at quarter eight or eight o'clock or whatever time it was. You got the game, you got to travel back by coach. You're back in London about four o'clock on the Tuesday morning. You got to get back home. You got to get to bed. We were then playing on the Wednesday night, so we had City away on the. Monday we had Southampton um, Southampton at home on the Wednesday night and we had Sheffield United on the Saturday, so we had you know three games in five days. So Jerry wasn't happy at all, but you know he said uh, you know this is fast, this is a joke. How are we going to prepare? You know we had a good pre-season, you know, and so so, so he, that first week he was really sort of well leading up to that week he was he wasn't best pleased, but you know we. In our first week, I think I don't think I know. We took seven points. We drew with City. We beat um, we beat Southampton three one. We beat Sheffield United three two. We went the following Tuesday to Coventry. So in the space of nine days, we played four games, but we had ten points. And so um, it's quite amazing when you get points on the board that things. <laughs> 
things don't seem to yeah. as they were. But, but you mentioned how I mentioned the change. So Monday night, being selected to play on a Monday night was pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say it was unheard of, but it was, it was rare. Yeah. I, I remember running out that night and I was sort of cheerleaders and <laughs> fireworks and um, I was in like a big build-up to the game. And us players at the time were just going, oh, well, what's going on here? Why, why is all this... Why's all this happening? It's a bit of a sideshow, you know. Uh, why is it so glitzy and glamoury, you know? It's, uh, you know, we're used to just running out and doing your warm-up. So, so from that, hadn't even kicked the ball, we knew things were changing again to the extent that it started to develop. I don't think we, we, we recognised, but we certainly felt something was something was changing, something was going to become big. Um, and you know that Monday night, it's great to be involved live on the TV, personally, you know, to, to score. Um, a bit of a weldy Andy, well, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I still, uh, still get people sending me, you know, <laughs> sneakily watches back, you know. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie plays it sideways on my chest, moved on my left foot and, yeah, hit a scream and that uh, ends up in the top corner, but... Um, yeah, so on a personal level, you know, that, that's a really nice memory, but collectively, yeah, it was great to be involved. It's always great to play live on the TV, whoever you're playing for. Um, but as I say, that was the start of, you know, Monday Night Football's a regular feature now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That was that was the very, very first one that we were part of, so, uh, nah, brilliant. And that season, of course, QPR finished top London club, which I still yep. hark on about now. But do you think, I know you, you mentioned, you know, the names and the camaraderie that team had. Do you, do you always think that they were somewhat, because I do, somewhat underrated as a collective? I know Les was the star, as you said, he made that yep. next level. But as a collective, I think that team was, was really, it would have been a European place in a different year. So do you yeah. think it was underrated? What's the under? You know, you know, when we were playing, I remember, you know, God bless him, you know, he's a big mate of mine. I remember speaking to Ray a few years ago about that team. And I think when we were playing at the time, we knew we were good, but we just, we didn't know how good we had a, you know, there was no egos in that dressing room. There was no big time Charlies. There was no one above this station. Everyone was in it together. We looked out for each other. We socialised together. I said we socialised, we'd go out for, you know, Ray would organise a team meal. <clears throat> Uh, fortunately, that time it was probably about seven or eight of us golfed. So every now and again, we'd, we'd go and play golf together. It was just a brilliant team spirit, which you hear harped on about. You know, um, can help you. <clears throat> Good teams have it. Was it underrated? Uh, you know, looking back, I think it was at yeah. the time. We just got on and played, and but we knew. You know, I was the type of player that I used to see who were playing the opposition, respect the opposition, respect the individual. Then I used to look at the dress room and I used to go, you know what? We need something out of nothing. Got less. Yeah. If we need someone to dictate the tempo of the game, no one better than Ray. If you need someone to put the body on the line, you've got Alan McDonald and you've got Dan Maddox and you've got Darren Peacock, you know, unsung players who... Um, so I always felt we had a chance of whoever we played. Uh, I always felt at home would beat anyone. Um, coming to comes to Loftus Road when it was you know, full uh, atmosphere. Certainly night games under the lights. Yeah. You know, I played I played at some brilliant stadiums, uh, some big stadiums. But there's something special about Loftus Road when it's full, 
when it's rocking. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm I'm going around the house as well. We underrated, possibly, but what I do know, it was a great side, um, a great side. Um, you know, Les was the difference. Yeah, you know, I got me international honours. Barnsley should have probably got a few more caps. Clyde Wilson Definitely. wasn't Stuart Pearce. I think would have got cap. Clyde was brilliant. <clears throat> um, Simon Barker, Ian Holloway, and the MP. You know, unsung. And some heroes who were in their own right very, very, very good players. Mm. Um, you know, Jan Stace, got Tony Roberts in gold, Danny Mannix, Darren Peacock, you know, the list is endless. It was just a but behind that was Jerry Francis. He was he was he was great for me. And if you speak to Les, Les would say it was great for him. If you speak to later on, Trevor Sinkay, he was great for him. Jerry Francis as a manager, Ray Wilkins as your leader on the pitch. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant for me personally and for, and for us as a team. Let's yeah. um, <coughs> just quickly finish this part just to talk about your, your move to Sheffield Wednesday and the Spurs. I mean, what, yeah. what, made, what made you go to Sheffield Wednesday? Because I remember Arsenal were involved as well at the time. Yeah. What was it about Wednesday? Yeah, it was, that, that yeah, it was a, little bit, a little bit controversial at the time and it didn't need to be. You know, QPR at the time, um, there was the model and it's the model we have now. Um, yeah. And it worked then. You know, we used to sign players for nothing. You know, me for 300 grand, 350 grand, and polish you up and sell you for 3 million. Peacock, Harry Fed, 150 grand, sign and polish him up 2.6. Les for nothing, polish him up 6 million. Mm-hmm. That was the model of QPR. And while I was a every year there was a player who was sold. Yeah. And I could give you the list here David Seaman, one yeah. year. Uh, Roy Wiggly, Paul Parker, 92 93 season at the end of that, haven't finished Pop London Club, but it was. It was probably going to be me or Les, people were saying. Uh, that were caught in all the Les probably was starting his journey, but you could see he was going to be a talent. So, so I, you know, I was press links, etc., etc. I was in the England squad. I didn't have any reason to move. You know, top London club in the England team. Um, but QPR decided to take an offer once it was made known. I'm of the opinion once the club made, uh, accepts an offer, that's telling you something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I, I said, okay, fine, I'll go. I uh, spoke to Arsenal. Um, new Sheffield Wednesday win. I knew Trevor because Trevor signed me a QPR. Uh, for some reason, QPR were entertaining the Arsenal offer, but not the other one, even though it was the same. So I said, I'll speak to Arsenal, but I'm not deciding where I'm going. Until I speak to Sheffield Wednesday. George Graham was fine. He now went on to play for George at, at Spurs. George said, yeah, fully respect that. He said, but I'm going to give you, this was on a Friday. He said, I'll give you a Monday. I need an answer. Uh, Monday came. I still hadn't been given permission to speak to Sheffield Wednesday. So George, I don't know if he was playing the game of poker, called QPR for the deals off. You know, he's had long enough now. Straight away, I was allowed to speak to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and decided to decide to sign for Trevor and Sheffield Wednesday. You know, at the time Sheffield Wednesday, huge club. Yeah, yeah, huge club. You know, <clears throat> I think they had just finished third, um, two cup finals, team full of internationals. You know, like Chris Waddle, David Hurst, John Sheridan, yeah. Nigel Wooden was the left back, Roland Nielsen right yeah. back, Chris Woods in goal, Carlton Palmer. Um, Mark Bright was scoring goals, so I just thought, you know what, this looks a good side. So, so that was my choice. Um, went up with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, 
And as I say, I'm two and a half years there and ended up back down at Spurs, back down in London with Jerry again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, down, and just finally on, on your Spurs, I mean, again, uh, under Jerry, you did pick up a League Cup medal as well. Is that yeah. one of your, your big memories from your playing career, getting to Wembley and, and, and picking up yeah. a medal? Yeah, you know, Tottenham, huge club. Uh, really enjoyed my time at Tottenham. You know, what have I had there again for four years? Um, played with some great players there. I like to, you know, Sharon and and David Ginola, you know, Salt Campbell, um, all top, top, top players. Ian Walker was England goalkeeper at the time. So really, really enjoyed my time. And, you know, to, to represent any club at Wembley, even though it was a it was a fleeting appearance because I was starting to come on, you know, but walking out at Wembley, I've done it for my country. You do it for your club. The noise seems to be... Because you've got your own fans there. Uh, yeah. The noise seems to be tenfold. Um, so, yeah, I think I played about three or four minutes. Um, Alan Nielsen scored a header to, to win us. We played a long period of the game with, with 10 men after, uh, <clears throat> after Justin's blessing. God bless him. Uh, Justin had been just member and been sent off. Um, but to be part of a team who wins a cup at Wembley, uh, you know, I hear people devaluing the, yeah. the Blue Bitten Cup or the Carabao Cup, and I get that in the early rounds, but you know, when you go all the way and you win it and you run around the pitch and make a fool of yourself and you know, singing songs and sharing that moment with your fans, absolute brilliant memory. Um, so yeah, fortunate to be, fortunate to be part of part of that, you know, there's say some great players, I've mentioned a few, played with Les there again, Jürgen yeah. Kinsman, Payne, that you'll learn so much from, so, uh, nah, happy, happy, happy times, happy, happy, great club. When you uh, miss those players, Andy, I mean, we won't do it now, but if you ever did your, your best played against, that played with 11, that would be some yeah. team, actually, when you think about the players that you played with. Wow, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. something to think about, so. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Andy. Have a good day. Pleasure. Pleasure. Really, really nice to speak to you. And thanks for your support for the club as well. Really yep. appreciate it. Well, can't wait to be back, mate. Can't wait to be back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, until then, stay safe, take care, and um, thanks for thanks for asking me to do the interview. Cheers. Been a Thank pleasure. You. you too. Cheers, Andy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.